0: Everyone, uh, my name is Catherine Brown. Just want to welcome you into uh, the very first episode of BizTech Blueprint. It's a brand new series. We're super excited about it. My name is Catherine Brown. I'm the PR director here at INE, and I'm joined by Richard McLean, who is the CEO of INE. It is one of the leading IT firms in the world. And since beginning his journey with INE about a decade ago, Richard has focused on creating an IT platform that's attracted students all over the world and really offers uh, top-notch training to uh, all, all over the place. Um, it offers top-notch value, innovative learning techniques. And I think you'll find that Richard really embraces out-of-the-box uh, thoughts and thinking and that he has some really creative solutions uh, that I think you'll you'll get a lot of value out of and that have proven to be really successful uh, during his time at INE. So we look forward to hearing from you a little bit more, Richard. Neil Bridges is also joining us today. Neil uh, also noted there as uh, Mr. Awesome is apparently his his nickname. Uh, So Neil has built and led multiple global security uh, operation centers for Fortune 100 companies. Neil owns his own company, Root Access Protection. And uh, from his start at Cyber Command in the Air Force, Neil has been a leader in strategical, operational, and tactical areas of cybersecurity. So uh, I think it's fair to say he knows a thing or two about what we'll be talking about today. So we're really excited to have Neil and Richard with us, as well as all of you joining us. Really appreciate you dropping in and, uh, and hope that we're able to address some topics that you can get a lot out of and that help your business grow and be successful. So uh, just to give you a little background, BizTech Blueprint is, uh, as I mentioned, a brand new series. It's designed for top-level executives who are looking for some new strategies to safeguard their technological infrastructure. We'll focus on technology and cybersecurity sectors, but we'll go beyond that as well. We want to focus on emerging tech security trends, talent growth, and retention strategies cybersecurity awareness training and much more. So uh, again, we want this to be engaging and hear your ideas. So uh, please pass them along and we'll let you know more of how to do that at the end of this webinar. Today, we are focusing on smart investment strategies for recruiting and retaining top talent. And we want to explore some of the ways your business can benefit from implementing some very specific strategies when it comes to getting the best people in the door and then keeping them there and helping your business be as successful as it possibly can be. So uh, Neil and Richard, hello, thanks for joining us. Glad to have you here.
1: Thanks, Gavin, I appreciate it. All
0: right, I'm gonna start with you, Neil. Um, Some of the biggest challenges, Uh, let's set it up with this, when it comes to not just Recruiting the best talent, but retaining, particularly in this current COVID environment, where everyone is being kept so far apart, uh, and, and it just makes for a lot of challenges in general. But what are some of the biggest challenges that IT teams are facing right now when it comes to to attracting the best people and really keeping them within the company?
1: Oh, I think I think that's an excellent question, and I think we've we've all dealt with at some point in time, you know, either in the cybersecurity space or in the IT space, just how challenging it. It can be to to find talent. And then once you do find good talent, being able to continue to retain that talent, especially as as the, the demographic continues to change of the folks that we bring into organizations, their needs, wants and desires and demands uh, continue to change and continue to evolve, you know, probably past some of the um, more traditional ways in which organizations are thinking about how to keep and maintain talent. On top of that, when you add in um, a lot of the challenges that just come with with how our world and our technology is changing mm-hmm. so fast, it, it really gets to make things you know incredibly difficult. Let's take uh, you know just what we're dealing with now when it comes to to COVID, where we've got this vast amount of forced remote working. Um, you know that that creates an an abundance of cybersecurity and technological challenges that organizations have to you know to to try to adapt and and, and try to try to you know build a a workforce around. Um, you know it's good and bad. In some cases, this this environment has has opened up some of the doors when it comes to to talent retention because now you're not just isolated to a certain metropolitan or geographic area when it comes to looking for talent. So I think it it, it comes with a mix of both. But I know specifically. On the cybersecurity side, um, I think that there's a statistic that's floating around out there that that you know by by 2021 or 2022, um, there's going to be some somewhere upwards of about three million uh, open cybersecurity job wrecks. And, and those are already in an incredibly competitive space um, when it comes to 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 looking for uh, for, for top tier talent that, that's out there. I think on top of that, organizations um, are are struggling, and I think that the demographic of folks who are coming up in you know IT and, and especially in the cybersecurity space, they're looking for a more flexible career path, um, so that they feel like they can experience multiple aspects of of their technological journey when it comes to 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 growing up and and growing throughout their entire career. So uh, I, I think I think that's probably what I would say is probably some of the biggest challenges. Um, Richard, I don't know if you got anything to add to that. Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say too, like, uh, you know, I think that now more than ever, it's really hard to uh, keep people engaged, you know, before you would go into an office and you would have this setting where, you know, you were talking to people on a daily basis and, you know, new people coming in would be, they would be surrounded by coworkers who would encourage them and show them how to do things and be able to kind of hand off knowledge in a much more traditional fashion of. Hey, just look over my shoulder while I do this. And and now it's it's so much more difficult and things have to be much more deliberate. And I think a lot of the inherent kind of pass down uh, training and, and encouragement and all those kind of things are are not happening these days. And so I think it's it's even now more than ever kind of making sure that those those actions are really deliberate and intentional in, in terms of Keeping uh, getting new talent hired up. I mean, getting new talent trained up, and then also on the retention side, you know, keeping the current staff that we have and keeping the current staff really engaged and in what they're doing, and and trying to create those moments um, that you that you might have had um, on a, in a more traditional setting. Yeah. I
0: think it, go well, ahead. Go ahead,
2: Neil. I was going to say, Richard. I think that's
1: that's actually super key that you bring that up, right? Because you mentioned that 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 interaction with folks it's hard to do that traditional pilot co-pilot model that you would do from in-house where you could you know watch watch somebody do their technical job and then have somebody right there beside you to to kind of guide you through to to show you what you did right what you did wrong it's hard to do that over a zoom session
2: yeah i think that just really reinforces you know when you look at kind of training somebody Um, how do you do it in a way that's really practical um, versus more theoretical? Because, you know, you can hire a great person that has a lot of the theoretical knowledge and it's just missing that kind of practical application that you would find in a specific job function. But, you know, in this day, it's really hard to translate that to someone theoretical when they don't have that kind of, uh, that kind of training ready to go built in, in their staff.
0: Yeah, to your point, Richard. Um, you know that that is changing, and hands-on experience is so much more important uh, now, probably than ever before. Because you and I have talked about this in the past. The traditional way of going, you know, going to college and going for an advanced degree, and then coming out, and uh, say you come out and you take a job as a programmer, and that's what you're going to be for the next 30, 40 years. That that's way outdated and out the window right you've got uh, people like Tim Cook of Apple and other billion billion dollar companies saying you know they don't really want people necessarily with these advanced degrees but they do want people with hands-on training people with the right certifications and people who know what they're doing when they walk in the door so how how can businesses offer a career path a training path as a business while still aligning that to the business goals overall. I
2: mean, that's a great point. I mean, I think when, when you know, as someone who spent a decade in, in universities, um, you know, once you kind of step out of that university setting, uh, the real world is much different, right? Your expectations are kind of overinflated in the university in terms of salary, in terms of what you're going to do. Um, and when you get to the, you know, when you get to your first job and you land and you say, well, you know, I didn't learn this, I didn't learn this, I didn't learn all these things. And, you know, when you go start, you know, uh, uh, applying for jobs, you know, the applications are very practical. Um, you know, for example, if I apply as a programmer for Microsoft, you know, there is there is somebody who's watching me code um, on screen and asking me about very practical solutions problems, not theoretical, but very practical, like implementation, um, to, which, to which you're kind of, you're at a loss because those are things that we're not kind of taught to you. Um, And so I think that the value proposition that universities have have had in the past um, are not really holding up uh, very well to trends in the future. Um, And as we look into, um, even just in terms of, you know, you mentioned kind of that typecasting of a person, Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, we have to lay it down and and put together a comprehensive uh, career path for someone, right? And it says like, Hey, you, you know, we're going to train you to be um, uh, a very good at IT security or very good at, at networking. But you know, you might get three steps down the road and realize that that person's not really engaged because that's not really what they were interested in to begin with. And I think having the flexibility and having that to say, "Hey, where else can this organ? Where else within our organization could would this person really flourish?" Right. And I think just finding that for some individual um, is, is really what makes or breaks on the retention side. Um, because, you know, finding something that they truly are passionate about and love doing, you know, the, the, the returns on that investment are massive. Um, and, and they put, they don't think about clocking in and out. They think about just how, how, how much awesome stuff that they can do in that day and and try to get done and really work much harder than, than you're kind of telling them to work. Right. So I think that's. <clears throat> That's the flexibility I think that is is not generally um, out there right now in in the IT career in the IT fields.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned typecasting because I do mm-hmm. want to get into that um, a little bit a little bit later in more detail. Uh, but first, I, w- I want to talk about the benefits of a training program, just kind of the nitty gritty uh, kind of fundamentals of of a training program. I was reading a study, uh, HR magazine study, showed that companies that invest at least $1,500 per employee on training, will see 24% more profit than businesses that spend less. And uh, as I was researching for this webinar, I ran across a Howard Gardner quote, if you think education is expensive, try estimating the cost of ignorance, which I thought was was very pertinent to what we're talking about here, because beyond the financial aspects of, of getting a solid training, program in place? We're talking about uh, training, but also career path, specifically right now, though, training. Beyond the financial aspects of getting a good internal training program in place, what are some of the other ways uh, that companies can benefit from the right kind of internal training program?
2: Um, yeah, I can start, and then you know you can feel free to interject. But um I think that, you know, the first point is, is that this proposition to say the company is going to provide you with with training towards your career. Um, You know, there was an old adage as as well and similar to your quote that says, you know, uh, what if we train all our people and they leave? Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, the 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 guy says back, well, what if we, what if we don't train them and they stay? Um, and I think it's, it's very apt to, it, it has to be a win-win proposition uh, for the company and for the employee. And I think that um, really the, the career guidance and the training that they go through and all these things are, are just that, right? We, we not just see like efficiencies in, on the job in terms of getting projects and getting things done because you've been trained your employees, but, we also see like, there's just the productivity and the happiness. And I think a really, one of the key things that's really hardly ever mentioned is really the confidence that you build. And I think when, when you start seeing employees that really gain that confidence in their skill, those are the employees that become the advocates and start teaching and training other employees within your organization that, I mean, and it kind of grows this exponentially um, when other employees start gaining this confidence in, in their abilities. Um, and, and really, I think that is what kind of leads to impacting the bottom line at the end of the day for the business as well.
0: Yeah. Richard, you guys have a great program at INE. Uh, get hungry, get certified. Does that, is that kind of what you're talking about there?
2: I think that's one example. I mean, we, we really try to encourage, you know, I think it's part of the, uh, the old uh, eat your own dog food. Um, <laughs> you know, we, um, we really try to, uh, get people you know certified and and really train them up and it's really it's not just kind of uh, for stuff that is directly impactful to their job but some of the t- some of the certifications that you know we've we've sponsored and and uh, you know we tie a bonus on top of that as well um, but you know some of them are not job related specifically but I think it's it's more about creating that desire and a drive into someone and and really they they kind of feel that you're giving to them. And so they, you know, the giving back is not as it's not much of as about the salary and all these things. It's really about working together as a, as one unit. Yeah. I think um, I think Richard, you, you
1: said something there that I think is is critically important, right? And it's about that employee happiness because I, I think metrics like this are always fun to talk about because it's it's you you do have to wonder like you know a fifteen hundred dollar investment a twenty four percent you know more profit you know, sometimes you have to wonder like how do they actually met you know measure that but when I look at like leading a global team or, or having you know fifty to one hundred people working for me that employee happiness is something that very much resonates with me as a leader and I think that it it very much builds that loyalty and. And that that kind of feeling amongst your employees that you actually do care about their career growth and kind of their, um, um, you know, kind of their investment, you know, or kind of kind of your investment into their career. And, And I've noticed a significant improvement in that morale, in that happiness, in that productivity that just comes from. You know, the person who stops watching the clock and, and they very much, you know, you know, they look at your investment on their training and say, well, gosh, you've invested in, in, in my training. And so I'm going to invest in you, not going to complain about my hours, you know, you know not that, that we would ever ask anybody to work more hours than, than they need to. But, but you definitely get that loyalty that I, I think is, is sometimes immeasurable in
2: metrics like this. Yeah. And I think you, you probably know from your days in the military that, uh, you know, people will fight for two things, right? They'll fight for the mission and the guy next to them. Absolutely. Um, and if we're, and if we're really forward about showing our support for um, the, the employees that we have working for us, if we show that, Hey, we're really supportive of your objectives of getting, getting trained up, getting certified, learning new things, um, you know, because the technology is always changing and we look across the board and we say, you know, Hey, why don't we just go hire somebody who who's done X, Y, Z, right? Um, and and then you look and say, well, you know, we've already built a, a sense of loyalty, a sense of this with with the staff that we have. Let's let's train these guys into do to do to do this job instead. And, and I think that you find that it's that usually is, is a much better solution because they're they're they have that buy-in to make it successful, right? Because <laughs> you're investing in them.
1: I think I think that goes hand in hand with what you mentioned before with this whole idea of typecasting and I know Catherine's gonna to get to later yeah. that we don't we don't hire people to be just X for 20 years anymore, right? People want to have that opportunity inside the company to and I know this is specifically apt for for cybersecurity, where you may hire an incident response analyst who, you know, is fresh out of college, they're 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 you know doing their due diligence and protecting a company and they witnessed their very first penetration test And they think wow that's the coolest thing in the world i'd really like to be a penetration tester and they immediately want to figure out how to move their career in that direction and and i think that that's that's where we have to change that mentality and we have to invest in that training so that we continue to keep that that loyal person you know and grow them organically inside of our organizations
0: so so to your point neil um you know we've, we've established that training is is pretty key right um and uh, while I was doing some research, uh, IBM actually has done a lot of research on the benefits of training programs. And uh, just to quote a couple stats here, employees who feel there is no room for career growth at a company are 12 times more likely to leave it. That's a big risk you're taking, right? Another IBM study shows productivity increases 10% with a well-trained workforce. And that speaks to your point, Neil, of people who feel they're being invested in, employees are being invested in, and they want to uh, give their best to, to the company. Um, but not, not, not to get into the scare tactic, but more of a reality check when we look at training works, but it's gotta be the right kind of training. Uh, right? There, there, there can really be a detrimental impact to, to bad training uh, platforms.
2: I think, I think one of the, one of the issues that I've seen a lot of is that there are HR or, you know, the C-suite who mandate, Hey, we're going to have to do training across the organization. And instead of looking for solutions that, engage the employees and come from that kind of groundswell uh, from, you know, beneath, they they look out for a checkbox, right? It says, mm-hmm. okay, we need mm-hmm. um, Microsoft Azure training. Okay, we're, we're going to go find someone who just has that checkbox and we're going to mark that. Up. And then, you know, the, the reports come back, you know, m- most of these training uh, providers have kind of reports on engagement and they look at the engagement and they, well, no one's using it. And, you know, the, a lot of times that the, the, the people that you're training, they're either looking at, you know, GitHub or these things where they can interact and they can have these hands-on experiences because that's how they feel like they're getting involved, right? And that's how they feel like they're staying current um, instead of kind of just sitting back and everything being a, a lecture series, right? And, and this death by PowerPoint. And, and especially <laughs> in this, in this uh, you know, new Zoom, Zoom era, right, yeah. where we're always on uh, watching w- watching these things, like, you know, you need more than that, right? You need that next level of engagement. And I think that's where it can be a detriment is to think that, hey, we had a training program, it didn't work. And, you know, you kind of think, why did not that work? And it was, you know, that lack of engagement from the employee side.
1: I think the I think the engagement piece is really, really key here, because I can tell you that that one of the things I hate is to, to, you know, whether it's mandated training, whether it's training that the team wants to wants to do is to, to see that look on their faces, their eyes roll back in the back of their head, because they know they got to sit in front of a computer screen yeah. and just watch countless hours of training and training on end and and not have any engagement not get anything at the the return out of it and and to your point as a leader i can't i can't sit there and and say well gosh how can i make this more engaging or how can i make this more beneficial um and, and i think it's it's that overall strategy that says that that training should be receive only that that i think makes makes for really bad you know bad training for the for the students
0: and Neil, you've had a lot of um, experience in, in hiring the right kind of people. Um, Richard, you've had a lot of success in implementing the right kind of training strategies. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about what i training platform is like and why a, a platform like that is beneficial and has been such a success for you?
2: Well, I mean, I think if we're kind of looking at it from the outside and say, well, what should I look for in, right. in, in a training, re- regardless if it's INE or someone else? I right. mean, I think the, the, the keys really are, you know, that we, we got to have like a depth of content where mm-hmm. I, I, you know, people are, they're, they're coming in with some base knowledge, right? And, and I feel like a lot of companies out there have this assumption that everybody is starting fresh, and we're going to take them to a professional level, you know, what, what, how have they been professional level? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't think that in most cases that you're really hitting a depth where it says, okay, like I'm, I'm learning something new, right. I'm having those aha moments where that keep me engaged, you know? And I think that, you know there's been studies done it's called the, the the flow right where you get into that flow mindset where you know it's 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 not too hard and it's not too easy but you feel like you're engaged in your learning um, and so I, th- I think that having a, a making sure that the content depth is there uh, and I really think that the um, the next part of that is is really having assessments built in as well so that there is a checkpoint that says okay I, I don't understand that, like I thought I did, or, okay, I, I do need to review this kind of stuff, right? I mean, we learned this, and I mean, you know, I have, I have kids right now up in virtual elementary school, right? And, and they're, they're doing assessments on the computer, and they go, oh, okay, well, I really need to learn how to tell time better. Uh, I'm not sure when we're ever going to use analog clocks again, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, I think that's some of the things, right. It's having an assessment there that, you know, that not only that you can look at as a, as a student, but like that the employer can look at and say, oh, okay, well, Hey, this, you know, he's really excelling and really taking off in a different area than I expected. And I need somebody in that area. So, you know, maybe we should talk about, Hey, you know, as Neil mentioned, a career path change here, uh, because this seems like an area where they're really excelling.
1: I think that last part there that you mentioned as well, Richard, I think that that's, I would, I would love that as a leader to be able to look at the skill sets and the training and what my team is doing across, across my entire organization, because I do, I think that, that you may see somebody who who takes off and really excels down, you know, a particular path. And, and I think that it, that shows a lot of engagement from a leadership perspective to be able to come to them and say, Hey, look, I've seen you investing a lot of time into, you know, you know, a threat hunting course you have an interest in being threat hunting would you like to get some on the job experience would you like to sit with our threat hunters and see what their job is like i think that that shows again back to your idea of engagement that shows that real back and forth um from, from an employee perspective um that, that you're willing to not just put you into that role for 20 years but to actually help you grow inside of an organization
2: yeah no 100 percent and uh... And I know on the last point, I think really just you know kind of reiterating the points we talked about is the the third thing is really looking for ensuring that there is some hands-on um, interactive piece where it's it's applied learning, right? Mm-hmm. And I think um, I, you know I think the application of the knowledge is reinforcement, and and then that turns around and then gets into uh, on the job skills where that functions being implemented. Uh, can really be a really powerful uh, circle of engagement and overall satisfaction from employees and employers.
1: I, I know that with the hands-on piece, when I start to look at resumes, you know, probably within the last five or six years that that that, that I've been doing this, um, I actually skip through some of the 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 you know traditional training elements and look mm-hmm. for the areas where folks have gotten more tr- more hands-on. Uh, in their training, what home labs are they setting up? What are some of the training, you know, providers or, or you know, you know, platforms that are out there that people are actually getting that hands-on experience? Because that that is what is being more expected out of us is to be ready to go on day one, you know, with with putting your hands on keyboard.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't tell you, uh, you know, a resume we looked at from a developer where you know they're not looking at as GitHub repositories or as mm-hmm. Bitbucket repositories and kind of seeing. You know what have you done? Uh, not just what what do you know?
0: Uh, you gentlemen are both a uh, pools of knowledge, and we can talk about this all day, which is good because we have a, a whole series to attack a lot of these questions. And uh, I think this has been a great conversation. Hope you guys have gotten a lot out of it, Richard Neal. Thank you uh, for all of your expertise and for offering uh, what what I think and and hopefully our audience thinks are some really good solutions and um, and some innovative ideas for for helping people's businesses grow and uh, and and get better. I want to thank you all again for joining. Thanks to, uh, to Neil and Richard for all your expertise and uh, Catherine Brown, along with Richard McLean and Neil Bridges. Bye-bye.